0: When we're confronting our own mortality, instead of focusing on these paralyzing fears, the fear of dying or the fear of wasting our life, really what we have to come back to is this idea that Christ defeated death mm-hmm. and that gives us hope. Even as I sit here and still kind of, am a little bit nervous about <laughs> confronting the deep, dark abyss of death. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> there
0: is hope and it's my role to share that hope with others. That's the pursuit of a lifetime. Welcome to the
1: Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and
0: Isaac. Welcome back to the Real Talk Podcast, season four, episode four. My name is Anson, along with Kara and Isaac. Hey. Today, we're talking about life and death. This is honestly a hard topic to get into very quickly because it's something that we don't talk about a lot. Death is a part of life. And so our questions that we're discussing today is uh, from a Christian worldview. First of all, how should we view death and mortality? And second, and maybe even more importantly, how should that impact the way that we live? Mm -hmm. And it does, but it's something that I think we sometimes are not super comfortable with talking about.
1: Yeah. I mean, who wants to walk around thinking all day long. I could die. I could, any moment. Like That's not fun.
0: <laughs> if anything, I feel like a lot of times we kind of exist in this denial yeah. about death. Yeah. And then when that denial gets violated and yeah. we have to think about it, maybe we attend <laughs> yeah. a funeral, maybe something yeah. happens and we have to confront the idea of death. All of a sudden it's like staring into the abyss, right? You're thinking, like, goodness. Yeah. Alternatively, the only times
2: I think about this are the most inappropriate times. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll be like in line at a gas station. Like,
0: Oh man, I'm going to die one day. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) That actually happens to me, too. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that coming up on our conversation (laughs) for today. But first, we're going to jump into our starter features, starting with Hypothetically Speaking. (music) Navigating the trickiest hypothetical situations. I feel like I've got a very good one for us today. All right. Are you ready? Ready. Here you go. If you were given the power to place two connected teleportation portals anywhere on Earth,
1: Ooh. where
0: would you place them? What? Now, ground oh. rules. Okay. When you place the two teleportation portals, they cannot be moved.
1: Oh, man. Uh, okay
0: They I are gotcha. stuck in the spots that you place them okay. for okay. eternity. For eternity. So you got to do this very, very carefully. Right. Choose wisely.
1: Okay. okay. You
0: don't want to regret your choice.
1: Man, what
0: are you thinking? You don't have to commit right now. First, let's let's brainstorm. Let's toss out some (laughs) ideas. All right.
1: I'm just thinking of very selfish things. Is that acceptable? Sure. Yeah. I mean, can we go with
0: that? First thing that pops into your mind, maybe where are you starting?
1: Well, you messed me up with the permanent thing because I was going to go with like my closet and somewhere remote, tropical and pretty with a hammock, Ah. but the closet situation, it may not be my closet forever. That's
2: true. A a Narnia situation going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People ask you
2: how many square (laughs) footage your house has and
0: you're like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Just wait. (laughs) Yeah, see the downside of that is you would basically have to commit to never moving. Exactly. You would be like, if I move, I lose my Hawaii closet. (laughs) Exactly. That would be a major bummer. That'd
1: be a bummer. So maybe it would have to be somewhere outside because it's easier to get to an outside place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it still wouldn't be that much trouble if you just put it like out in the woods somewhere in town or something. That's true. Kara's tropical bunker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it'll be kind of like Narnia, but with a tree. We'll find, it, find a tree and just be like. It's very hey, on brand you know? for you.
0: What, like, you what tropical tree. What tropical <laughs> beach are we going to?
1: Pretty water and a hammock and not very many people. Those are my qualifications.
0: That is also good <laughs> for the reverse effect, which is if you put it on a really busy beach, you might have people walking through the other way yeah. into your closet, yeah. which be would be a downside.
2: Alternatively, <laughs> would be kind of cool.
0: Meet a lot of interesting hey. people. Okay, depending on your yeah. personality, that could be good or bad. Yeah, true. Yeah. Isaac's gonna. To have a party.
2: <laughs> so, Kara, I like that you took the angle of can it just be completely selfish? Because that's the <laughs> exact place my mind went to. Uh-huh. Okay, good. This comes with a small story. Um, I have a little bit of a villain in my life. <laughs> <laughs> a villain. So, the last time I went through Oklahoma, shout out to the state of Oklahoma, I came prepared because I know there are toll roads going from Arkansas to Oklahoma. I didn't bring enough money though because i didn't anticipate there being a second toll road mm. after the initial toll road, and not only bring oh, enough
0: money but exact change isaac my oh my
2: gosh yeah. my wife and i roll up to this second toll road oh, no. and Bree looks over at me and she's like do we have and i go no we don't <laughs> we don't have any money right now oh boy uh. so there's already about 10 cars behind us all exiting to pay and i'm rolling up and i'm like I don't know what's gonna happen here <laughs> because I've never been in the situation where I just have no money. Oh, uh-huh. no. So the wonderfully grumpy toll lady, yeah. I told <laughs> her that I didn't have any money and she just looked at me like I had just spat all over her cereal. <laughs> Like She was offended. She took this as a personal offense. She made me dig through my car while people are getting increasingly angry and tense behind me. Wow. After that, she exasperatingly goes, pull over to the side of the road, hike over to that green building over there, and someone will take your debit card. Oh. And I'm like, you guys have the technology to take my debit card. But only in that green building (laughs) (laughs) over there. (laughs) I have been to shows where local bands have taken debit cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The state of Oklahoma should have a square card. Buy a square reader, Oklahoma. <laughs> give me your cash app. It's I'll not pay that you. hard. It's so true. So you're asking me if I can put a teleportation device between two spaces. <laughs> yes. Forever. Okay. It would span 10 feet. <laughs> it would be placed right next to Greta's toll booth. And it would be on the opposite <sighs> side. Oh. Uh, and I would skirt around Oklahoma MTA forever. You that would is... just
0: skip ten seconds down the road. That's ten seconds amazing. down the road <laughs> to get past the toll news.
2: And I know you're thinking, Isaac, you could effectively end world hunger with this device. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> 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 Priorities. <Skip the> toll. <laughs> I am more petty than I am helpful.
0: <laughs> I have never okay. said otherwise. Fair. <laughs> uh, uh, I just some... <laughs> love the mental image of these two teleportation portals, like yeah. ten feet apart. <laughs> On the Oklahoma highway, I need it to be close enough to where I can wave to her as I'm driving through it. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. If people are
0: like reporting the fact that two like teleportation <laughs> portals have shown up on Earth on the news, they're going to be so disappointed when the second sentence of that story <laughs> is, and they span a toll booth in the middle of nowhere in <laughs> Oklahoma. Like, really? So yes. true. Who that.
2: Ugh, okay.
0: Any other? You? Oh, what about me? Yeah. Oh man, my mind was reeling with the possibilities here. Yeah. Like you guys, I'm thinking pretty selfishly yeah maybe even slightly more evil though like <laughs> That's a big I tend to be kind of chaotic evil when it comes to these oh, kinds of things yeah. if I wanted to do something useful for the world but also personally benefit in a major <laughs> way <laughs> Uh You could put like one of these portals just in the middle of like an American highway Uh, and then the other one on like a Chinese highway. And basically you've created this road that connects both sides of the world. Oh, man. And then, of course, you charge people to use it. Of (laughs)
1: course. (laughs) You
0: make lots of money doing that. If you want to go even more chaotic evil and just get really crazy... You put one of these portals at the bottom of the ocean, uh-huh. maybe the bottom of the, like the Mariana Trench. <laughs> and then where do you put the other one? I mean, you can have fun. Oh, you man. stick it in the sky over Texas, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big fan of Texas. Wow. I mean, you can could, you could put it anywhere. Anson is secretly a super villain, And all of a sudden, yeah, you just flood whatever
2: you, you want. You underestimate Texas's ability to turn anything into a sport activity, though. Okay. Yeah, for real. Best believe they'd be in boats within a day. <laughs> Shooting all of the sharks that (laughs) come through the portal.
0: You wow. Know, see, they turn it into a positive. So yeah. boats, <laughs> re- <shooting> resourceful <laughs> down there in Texas. <laughs> They'll be fine. You guys will figure it out. Oh man. Yeah. It'll be okay. I'm pretty sure I was thinking about that though. I was like, I'm pretty sure it would never end. Yeah. Like, the water oh. would just constantly be if you put it at the very bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Ooh. The water would just constantly be falling out of this hole over Texas. It would probably completely flood Texas. I don't know, it might even flood us here in Arkansas.
1: If it never stopped, it would keep going and flood the whole. Well, United it, it States, would eventually
0: it? go back down into the ocean, I think. Uh, Oh, okay. It would basically just redistribute the ocean. Yeah. It would probably be in a different spot. Wow. That spot would be Texas. What a a platform to run on for president. we are going to redistribute the ocean. That one doesn't personally benefit me as much. In fact, it might flood my home. Yeah, that would be bad. So... But you kind of go, you know, I think the classic one here is definitely like the bedroom to vacation spot or like a bank vault or something yeah, like there that. there you go. But yeah. I feel like you'd be found out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, that one would be hard to conceal. That would be kind of like a one-time
0: use kind of the thing. investigators yeah. are
2: like walking through your closet. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, like I wonder who stole the money. I'm sitting there with a new flat screen TV. <laughs> hey guys. Oh, what's
0: up, man? <laughs> oh, I don't know where that came from.
2: I, don't know, I just found it. Just found all this. <laughs>
1: Now it is time for our top three feature where we talk about our top three favorite fill-in-the-blank things. And I got to pick this week, so I'm excited about this one, you guys. I want your top three old-school Disney movies. And by old-school, I mean like pre-Pixar.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes. So like the 2D yeah. Disney movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's a lot to choose from here. I
1: know. So
0: narrowing it down to three.
1: It was really difficult to choose, and I'm still a little bit like, oh, did I make the right choices. All right. I'm just gonna start before I second guess myself to death. So, number three on the list, I'm gonna go with Aladdin. I saw it in theaters Uh when it came out. That's cool. And it was so epic. I loved the music, not just because it was a musical, but this beautiful Arabian soundtrack was just mesmerizing to me. Mm. It was like, oh my goodness, where's this been all my life? Plus, Robin Williams as the genie. Right. Hilarious. Killed it. Can't yeah. go wrong with that. And so this is what made me think of this is I saw the preview for the new live action uh, Aladdin the other day. Uh, yes. And I was like, yeah, that actually looks kind of good. So I thought we should talk about Disney movies.
0: Absolutely. Well, Aladdin is my third on my list Aha. as well. There you go. And I got to say, I was thinking about this and I was like, if I was rating the top three Disney movies as a movie critic, mm. I don't think Aladdin would be on the top three for me. It's a good one. It's solid. But my trump card on Aladdin, the reason it made my list, is Robin Williams. Yeah, yes. Like that character may be the single best character in yes. a Disney movie and the funny of thing all time. They it's pretty true. much just put him in a booth. And yeah, were like, absolutely. <laughs> okay, go. It, like it's not really the genie. Like it's not a character. It is yeah. Robin Williams.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> just
0: doing Robin Williams things. Uh, yeah. But it totally so works. And then I do have to admit I was talking to my wife about our list last night and I confided to my wife <laughs> that if I had a Disney princess crush uh-huh. as a kid, Jasmine was definitely it. You know, There you go. And my wife basically was like, that's just because she's not wearing any clothes. (laughs) And
1: I was (laughs) like...
0: That's not raw.
1: <laughs> I mean, a everyone
0: else was wearing big, giant, poofy dresses. That's
1: true. So maybe that was what
0: was happening there. So anyway, embarrassing confession time. That's hilarious. Jasmine was Anson's right uh, Disney princess crush. So. I
2: love that. My number three is Tarzan. Oh, yeah. Tarzan. So it's kind of a twofold thing. One side obviously being like the vine surfing and the tree
0: mm, surfing. Yay. Tarzan it was pretty cool. Felt yeah. Very cool. I was yeah. like,
2: what? I want to do that. Hopefully I like, did a 360 <laughs> between uh-huh. two vines. Uh, yeah, it's like skater. Uh, Isaac, I that's know. what the
0: connection is it here. was so cool. That's awesome. Tarzan's like a skater boy in he the jungle. <laughs> and also,
2: this movie introduced me to the musical genius of Phil Collins. Right. The soundtrack. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. And I still jam Phil to this day. <laughs> <laughs> and I owe that all to Tarzan. That's
0: so funny to me in retrospect that Tarzan is basically a Phil Collins movie. Like yeah. a yeah. Phil
2: Collins music video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so to true. <laughs> I still sing You'll Be In My Heart, Debris, Uh, which (laughs) is another classic song.
1: So good. All right. Number two on my list. I'm going to go with Mary Poppins because Mary Poppins, y'all, and Julie Andrews. And I wouldn't have even
0: thought of this one as an option, actually.
1: I know. I forgot about it, too, but I was looking back through the list and it's a really, really old one. But. It was an important one for me. It was a very important one. And I recently saw the new one and was like, oh, it's so good. It's musical. It's Julie Andrews. It's Dick Van Dyke. It's all of these classic people. But it's also just this iconic classic story. Now that I'm older, I've seen the Saving Mr. Banks story. So kind of the story of the author of Mary Poppins. So Mm. I'm even more enamored with it. I watched it a lot as a kid.
0: My number two, I'm going with The Lion King. Oh, Uh, yes. Okay. And again, I'm thinking about if I was like movie critic, Anson, Lion King might actually be my number one Mm. because I think it's one of the best Disney movies of all time just yes. from a cinematic perspective mm-hmm. I mean you've got incredible story both emotional and funny it hits all of the notes yes, so yeah. I think the thing that differentiates Lion King from a lot of other Disney movies is the scale yeah. like it has this epic quality to it yep. with like the African setting and yes. this kind of like grand epic music I mean the opening for the Lion King <laughs> the circle of life yeah. when I saw that as a kid it's like whoa <gasps> like you know they're like 80s 90s Disney mm-hmm. movie resurgence yeah. I feel like the Lion King is like the king of that era that's true uh, yeah. at least and I maybe it's, the king of all of them
2: it's still kind of looked at as from every angle it's still just the best of what's right done. yeah it's like mm. the best
0: of all of these different
2: pieces yeah. so sliding in from the pinnacle of animation achievement to my number two is <laughs> Aristocats <Yay>! Aha. <laughs> I like the idea of an eccentric old lady leaving all of her money to her. cats. (laughs) I kind of, I'm all about it's it's
1: real life though. We read a story about this the other day. There's an old guy who worked for, who did he work for Chanel or or someone like that designer who's like leaving his fortune to his cat. It's a thing.
0: Millions and millions of dollars. Oh a thing.
1: Okay. Anyway, carry on. People have
0: actually done that in real life.
1: Yeah. Sorry.
2: Did you? (laughs) you? No, that's even better. That's amazing. (laughs) This is kind of like true crime for kids because Uh, it's Edgar (laughs) the the butler being just the actual evil guy trying yeah. to like off these cats <laughs> so he'll get all the money and you're like oh dang <laughs> so good. some
0: Playfully. Disney movies when you step back and think about the plot you're like yeah, wow that's kind of mean that's kind of dark it's so like, true. that's pretty cruel I like this also... butler who's been this faithful servant of yeah. this old lady yeah. is going to betray her and kill her cat on the one hand though like I kind of feel for the dude you're going to leave it all to the cats not your poor faithful servant that's been taking care of this crazy old cat lady you know for years. He, yeah. did
2: something. he did something he didn't like serve her tea right and yeah. that was
1: the
0: decision she yeah. was like
2: okay when i die
1: or he kicked his, her mm-mm. cats come on let's be real i don't know yeah. i
0: think she's probably just not very thoughtful to him and she just picked <laughs> the cats with that i don't know like he was this faithful servant and she just jipped him
2: but i like this movie also because the musical cats in it i always thought they were super cool oh. and i wanted to be like in this cat cat oh, yeah, band yeah, yes. a good scene. these
1: guys are so cool <laughs> that's awesome yeah. everybody wants to be a cat it's just a it.
2: wacky good time
1: it's just <laughs> a good, good one <laughs> it is a good one all right so we're up to number one now beauty and the beast
0: i knew it you uh, knew it you did call this I one knew this would be number one for you It
1: is such a good one you guys i saw it in the theaters but i legit remember begging my parents to take me to this when the previews were coming out and it was such a big deal of course once i got it on video it was just the rest was history i just watched it over <laughs> and over and over again i go back to the music in a lot of these the opening credits the music in that the other day I rewatched the live action one just for fun those opening credit notes legit give me goosebumps it's a very beautiful movie as well I think which sounds weird because it's set in this dark dungeon, like yeah. gross castle and I think Belle I know that there's some debate about in the original movie how you're like well that's kind of creepy Belle the, was, the what's it called <laughs> Stockholm, syndrome, Stockholm syndrome yeah there's yeah. that but also there's that, <laughs> is creepy. Just glaze over that one. <laughs> but the new one does a good job tackling that. But in the old one, I do remember Belle being obsessed with books and I think that honestly did shape me some. Like She loved to read. She was smart and that's part of what made her weird to the village. So I do think there's a little bit of shaping that happened in me from that that I was like, yeah, me too. Yeah, she's a little less
0: of the like prototypical like Disney princess from before that era where like they basically just lie in a glass case (laughs) waiting for someone to come and kiss them kind of a thing. Yeah, Yeah.
1: she's like I'm going to go find out what happened to my dad and I'm gonna like right. stand in his place here for him like she was gutsy yeah you the know? town
2: that like feared this beast she's like yeah where's my dad
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> i do exactly. love guest on in yeah. that movie oh he's gosh. a wonderful character he's yeah. ridiculous he's great and then tale as old as time is definitely oh. one of the top songs and that whole scene
1: like the dance scene just magical
0: the only thing that bothers me about that movie and I can't I don't know I'm like talking about like a plot hole in a Disney movie (laughs) give me a break but like the whole timeline of the beast curse thing he has until his 21st birthday to find love but then Lumiere and all of the dudes in the uh the castle are talking about how they've been cursed for like 10 years or something like that or it's been 10 long years which means he had to have been cursed when he was like 11 years old that's weird and so yeah I only thought about this
2: one when I saw the live action remake kind of recently. Uh-huh. Yeah. When everyone turns back into people and they're all kind of like, Yay, we're people again. Yeah. I was watching that and I'm like, How are they not having like PTSD? Like, I was a candle. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, 10 they're years. like walking around like,
0: Oh God, I was a candle. Yeah. <laughs> And was Chip born a teacup? Like, how did that work? Because uh, if they've been that way for ten years, like, I don't, I don't know. That's a good point. That's a little. I know it's getting into the weeds for a Disney movie, so bless yeah. that. It <laughs> is a good one. It's a classic for sure. Yep. All right, my number one, and there was never a doubt in my mind that this was going to be my number one. Okay. And this whole time, ironically, I've been talking about objectively good makings of a movie and all of this. Uh-huh. This would probably not make the list, but uh-huh. darn it, it's still my favorite, hands down, and that is the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, of ah! course, I, I knew, knew it. No. Questions asked. This is easily my favorite Disney movie. I did. It's the only one really where even to this day, I'm like, we should go watch Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Like, I want to go watch yeah. that movie. Yeah. Like it is so good. It's kind of the anti-Disney Disney movie.
1: It is. In a way. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like it kind of just takes all of the typical Disney movie stuff and blows it up. Yeah. And yeah. that's literally what happened. Like they were creating this movie, and I think they had made it like partway into production, and they were like, This just isn't working. Yeah. It originally wasn't supposed to be the movie that it is today. And they were like, This isn't working. We don't like how this is coming out. We're just gonna blow the whole thing up and do it, wow. do it differently. What what we got is absolute brilliance uh, yeah. yeah it's so good it I mean Cusco is. is incredible Isma is a hilarious character yes. Kronk is one of my favorite <laughs> Disney characters of all time <laughs> there are so many lines in this yes. movie that I quote to this day oh yeah and yeah. we watched it the other day as a family my three-year-old thought it was the most hilarious thing that she had ever seen yeah and I'm in my 30s and thought it was the most <laughs> hilarious thing I've yeah. ever seen that is Impressive. So whether you're three or thirty, this movie works on yeah. so many different levels. That's very true. It's
2: so so good. Cusco is my favorite Disney princess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect line that I'm totally going to steal. Uh,
1: that's amazing. Yeah. He's
0: so great. This is the movie if I was a movie maker that I yeah. would want to make. That's true. The crunk like sneaking scene.
1: Yes.
0: He's
2: just the best character
0: the whole way through. it down. This is hand carved mahogany. So many good lines. (laughs) My number
2: one is a deep cut. You guys get ready. Okay. This has, I'm going to read off just some of the cast members. Joey Lawrence. Oh. Billy Joel. Cheech Marin Uh from Cheech and Chong. This is 1988's Oliver and Company. Oh, Oh. look at you. Y'all, Dodger is my favorite Disney character. Yeah. Mostly because (laughs) he's the coolest dude ever. (laughs) Oh my god! And the whole like, why should I worry? Song. He's literally like running around, jumping off and on cars in New York, and Billy Joel does the music for it. Again, this is a very musical kind of. Yeah, it's right up my musical alley. Okay, it has just so many bops in it, and the villain is like terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to murder two people. That's true. I don't think it would be made today, not just because there's problematic stuff in it, but just because
0: the villain is a true villain. Like Sykes is a really bad dude. I'm fascinated that that's your number one of all of them because. I honestly forget that movie exists and yeah. I've seen it a few times Like I'm familiar yeah. with it enough for most of the movies that came out through that like 80s, 90s yeah. run it's it sleeper. tends to get left out a little yeah. bit I it wonder does. why it's that a- is.
2: I think that they tried everything with it. They have the fish out of water story with Oliver. They mm. also have the unlikely romance with Tito and
0: the <laughs> floofy poodle. Yes girl. that is a, oh an interesting There's an element yeah.
2: of like classism with poverty with the yeah. guy being you know a poor person I mean I wonder if
0: it's just kind of like the modern setting too it yeah. just doesn't capture the imagination for right. kids as much yeah, as like an underwater kingdom with mermaids right. yes. or the African
2: yeah. Serengeti with lions I watched it recently with my wife who had never seen it before and she's like okay this is a very Isaac movie like uh, this makes sense yeah if you don't cry when they start doing we was always once upon a time <laughs> in City. and the little cats <laughs> in the wet box oh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You okay. will weep.
1: <laughs> oh, see, that's the other thing I noticed that's great. Your number two and number one both involve cats, which that's is true. cool. Isaac I'm coming you. up with
0: the cat movie. Okay. Yes. I know, I like that. Filling in for Kara a little yeah. Yeah. bit. Cats change your life. Y'all. It's true.
2: <laughs> now it's time for a confession session. The super fun thing that I still don't know why we keep around. Really kind of in the past couple of years, I've been dealing with death more than I ever have with both my immediate family and then my friend's family supporting people in that role. And in all of that, the one line that I keep hearing repeated is just, well, you got to just trust God to make something good happen out of this. I keep hearing this trust God line, trust God, trust God. I keep hearing that and I'm just sitting there going like that's a lot like telling someone to just get better when they're sick or you'll be okay. Okay. Well, I don't feel better. (laughs) Right.
1: Stop being sick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like now that you've said that, oh, great. Well, I feel better now. Right. (laughs) Trusting God now. Mm. And I've just kind of been operating from this place and finally being comfortable admitting with myself, I have a really hard time trusting God Mm. in both the macro. Well, this person has died. There's a reason for this. And now there's going to be good that comes of this Mm -hmm. and also in the daily of like i'm gonna try everything that i can do before i start trying to trust god that's a huge problem that i have i think that it's not something that only i deal with no No. but i also think that it's incredibly we don't encourage that a lot to just come out and be like hey guys i'm not really trusting god right now right (laughs) that feels like a problem i don't know well you should right right? (laughs) i agree stop that and i think i've been working from this place in mark 9 This kid's dad is saying, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Mm. And I'm operating from two mindsets of God, I believe all of this. And I believe that what you said is true, fundamentally, but at the same time, in my daily life, I just don't immediately default to that,
0: and I don't know if I'm just the broken one and oh my or if everyone is not operating. I'm from that so or... glad you brought up that story <laughs> and that verse because that is exactly where I was going to go. Yes, yes. Yeah. because that's my favorite story in scripture. I don't have any tattoos, but I've thought about getting one, and yeah. if I got one, uh, it would be that verse. Yeah, there's something about the dichotomy of that that I think perfectly encapsulates the Christian life struggle. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there are times where I think like our faith in God ebbs and flows for yeah. sure. There are times where maybe we have more faith or more trust in God than yeah. at other times, mm. but I don't think we're ever all the way there. Like I don't, oh, we never, right. we never arrive yeah. at this point where you go, I yeah. believe, and I don't need to ask the second part of that verse. Right. Like yeah. you always need to say the second part of that verse, which has helped my unbelief because yeah. those seeds of doubt are still there.
1: I really love that passage too. And I can't tell it, like if you were to search my journals, I mean, yeah. it's like everywhere that prayer I came to a place a few years ago where I was so overwhelmed by the thought that I wasn't trusting God enough and I couldn't like I couldn't conjure that up like mm, you're saying. Yeah. What God impressed upon me is like I am still strong enough to help you keep believing as much yeah. as you believe. Like that's the whole point. Right. Newsflash:
0: right. You can't trust God enough. Right. Like, that's the whole point. That's
1: the whole point of meeting Jesus. Is right. like you ask me to he do. He steps
0: this, in to do that for you. Right. Yeah. You
1: ask me to do this one simple thing. I can't even do that. But you have to do that in me as well.
0: Now we have to be careful with that because even that though I think can sound like a very trite uh, know, answer yeah. to sure. what you're bringing up. Right. Absolutely. Is like well, of course you can't, Isaac, but Jesus can. Yeah. yeah have Jesus. Kind of, do it for you yeah, yeah so it doesn't just solve the problem but it does give you I think kind of this mindset shift which mm. is important to yeah. say like this isn't all on me yeah and I think it lifts some of the burden yeah so yeah. that when you find yourself in a place where trusting is hard You can admit that and you can ask for help instead of feeling like you have to conjure that trust on your own. That's still a paradigm shift, I think. And I think that's what Kara's kind of getting at is that that's a very different way of approaching those seasons of lean for trust. And not necessarily to like bring up a
2: question and then answer my own question, but I will say something that has been helping me speaking with that mind shift thing. I've sort of been reevaluating and going, okay, is my doubt stronger than what jesus did for me on the cross and the answer to that is obviously no any sort of season of doubt or mistrust or anger i mean Mm. yeah all of that has been forever and always trumped by what jesus did in terms of dying on the cross for me Mm. and it kind of takes what you're talking about the pressure off of me a little bit to say like okay God isn't up there fretting over my doubt right now. Like he is still going to do what he's going to do. And I'm only making it hard on myself by trying to overthink this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think that that's just kind of the place where I have to land for my own sanity of saying, I believe this and just keep praying, God, help my unbelief. It's kind of Mm. the acknowledgement of, I'm making the active effort to ask for help here. It's on you.
0: And I think (laughs) when we find ourselves in those moments where someone says, just trust in God, and we're going, yeah, it's it's not quite there for me right now. The other thing that helps me to remember is those moments are what make trust possible. Right? so true. Like You cannot Mm. have trust unless you experience God rescuing you Mm -hmm. from something Mm -hmm. that you felt like you might not be able to be rescued from. When you see God move in a powerful way and bring you through something or out of something that was really challenging and difficult, where your trust wavered, that's what gives you the ability to trust down the road, Yeah, right? Like, it's the same thing in marriage. Trust is something that's built over time, and it's built in the crucible of hardship. So it's not fun, but you have to go through those hardships to develop that trust. That doesn't always help while you're right in the middle of the thing that's Mm -hmm. hard, but it's almost always true, I find, that once you find yourself kind of on the other side or starting to come out of one of those seasons, you go, this was a trust building exercise. And maybe I'm going to have more trust in God during Mm -hmm. the next time I go through something like this than I did this time. Our conversation today is on life and death. This was one that I think we had a hard time even choosing as a topic to talk about because of all of the things that we've talked about, it's one of the hardest to actually discuss. Mm -hmm. Right. I have a tendency to kind of live in a state of denial when it comes to death. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. something that I don't really like thinking about. It's not particularly pleasant. Yeah. Every once in a while that denial is shattered by an event in my life, maybe by losing someone that I love. And all of a sudden I'm faced with. Having to think about death in a more conscious way. And it's incredibly confronting. I'm already in my 30s and another. 30 years I'm going to be in my 60s and another 30 years I might not be here right like it's not really that long when I think about it Mm. and I think the older you get the more you kind of feel like time is speeding up and you're just speeding along this highway towards your inevitable doom right like (laughs) the weight of that can be very heavy when you have to confront it and then not only that you start thinking about all of the things that you spend your life on right Mm -hmm. when you think about death there's kind of this natural progression where you begin to think about life and you go. I spend a lot of my time on Facebook or internet shopping or mm. sitting on my couch zoning out in front of Netflix or doing Stop all these looking things. Looking at me when you say all <laughs> of this. <laughs> Looking at myself, if I could (laughs) redirect your eyes. I mean, you start thinking about all the ways that we spend our time, right? And you start going, Oh my gosh, I spend so much time doing nothing. Yeah, for sure. And you start going, Is that okay? Is that not okay? I don't know. I'm, you know, and you just have to start wrestling with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really, this was kind of spurred on from our conversations that we had on the last episode of Real Talk where we were discussing how both Isaac and I recently have experienced some loss in our lives. A very close family friend for Isaac, uh, kind of your second mom, you said. Mm -hmm. And then my grandpa recently passed away as well. And so both of us have attended a funeral recently. And at least for me, funerals seem to be one of the major points where I have to confront the idea of death. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true for you guys? Is that one of the places where you feel that the most? Are there other places where you feel like you're confronted with the reality Mm -hmm. of death?
1: Yeah. Funerals are where it punches me in the face
0: in a big way.
1: (laughs) Last year, I lost an uncle pretty suddenly, Mm -hmm. kind of unexpectedly after he came out of his surgery, thought he was doing well, and and then he was just gone. And I remember going to that funeral, my niece Zoe was with me and she was about six at the time. I remember us going up to the coffin at the visitation and she was completely like, you could just see the wheels turning in her mind. Mm -hmm, Like her mind was just blown. She was like, I don't understand. what's going." And she kept asking questions and extremely curious about it. And I remember thinking like, I'm 32 years old and I still haven't gotten over this. I have the same response. Like I just hide it better. She's obsessed with it and kind of like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what is he doing? You know? But I'm still shocked by it when I see it. We just yeah. have
2: better social ways of hiding yeah. that confusion. Like, that's the most raw version of, yeah. I don't understand this. Why is this happening? And yeah. I feel like we all stay in that phase. We do. It's like you're saying, you just hide it a little bit better. Yeah, when we
1: get grown up, we learn to say the right things yeah. and whatever. But yeah. we still are all that little kid inside going, What in the world? This yeah. does not make sense. Yeah. This should not be happening. Yeah. I think
2: funerals for me are where that happens. Also, I'm very plugged into the news and cultural yeah. guy stuff. So anytime there's like a a mass shooting or mm. someone there's a tragic car accident. I mean, I'm always yeah. in that mind of, man, it
0: really could be at any point, you know, your numbers up, and that just blows my mind. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When you find yourself confronting that reality, specifically about your own mortality. Yeah. Mm. What reaction do you tend to have to that? Is that something where you kind of go, "Okay, uh yeah, I'm going to die and I'm going to try not to think about that?" <laughs> Do you kind of try to suppress it? Is it something that Mm. you are afraid of? Is it something that you go, no, it's, it's going to happen. And when it happens, it happens. Like, do you have times where you feel like you can accept the reality of that? Mm.
1: I feel like I probably tend more towards the suppressing and denying. My husband and I actually talked about this. I told him what we were talking about on the podcast. And he was like, I was literally just thinking about this today on the way home, how one of us could just be gone at any moment. We could just go, it could happen like Mm. that. And I'm like, really? You think about he's like, I think about this all the time. And I was like, I don't Mm -hmm. like (laughs) intentionally. I'm like, I want to be where I'm at right now but then I'm confronted with it and I'm like, well, maybe I need to think about this a little more. I'm really good at denial and other things as well. Like, oh, I need to save for retirement. Oh, I need to do these things. Yeah. And my husband is very good about, yeah, we have to think about the future. We have right. to plan. Yeah. And I'm like, that's overwhelming. Right. I mean, yeah.
0: that's part of it being a reality. Like yeah. it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to confront you at some point. You're going to have to confront it sooner mm-hmm. or later. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you wait until later, it may make the confronting more difficult. I don't yeah.
2: I feel weird saying that I'm not afraid of death because I haven't really been in a lot of situations where I've directly confronted that. So Mm. it feels kind of irreverent to say, like, well, I'm not afraid of death, but I'm terrified at the thought of losing people that I care about. Mm. So, Brie, obviously, my family, my immediate family, my friends. As far as on a personal note, I feel a little numb to the entire idea of it. And I don't know that it's because I operate a little bit cooler temperature normally and then I also deal with a little bit honestly like depression and stuff where like Mm. the numbness associated with that is just kind of where I operate from I'm like okay well I mean the times that I've been on an airplane like at my worst it starts shaking people are worried and I'm just kind of like okay whatever but the idea though that Brie is also there. Oh my gosh, I could not live without Brie. Like, how would I even mm. process that? I'm kind of more worried, and the paralyzing fear comes from other people,
0: necessarily, gotcha. not necessarily I, my no. own. I agree. <laughs> yeah. and I, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly afraid of dying at any given moment necessarily. Like I'm not so afraid of dying that like I'm sitting on an airplane thinking, Oh, this could be it, or I'm driving my car thinking, Oh, this could be it, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm waiting for it around every corner. But I would say I do have a fear of dying in a more of a macro sense. So it's not so much that I'm, I'm waiting for it to happen at any given moment. But every once in a while I'm driving home and I have maybe these thoughts like Cody does where I think like the end is coming like at some point and I'm afraid of that concept. Like I'm afraid of it ending Mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel like it's going to most of the time. Like the other day I'm on an airplane. There's the most turbulence I've ever felt on an airplane. I didn't once think that I was going to die. I didn't even think about the idea of dying during Mm -hmm. that experience. So it's not necessarily like danger or things like that that bring it up for me. It's honestly very random when yeah. like, I'll just have these thoughts. And a lot of times it's when I'm doing something that I feel like is not super meaningful. Yeah. I go, I'm going to die someday. Yeah. And I'm sitting here doing this. Should I be doing this? Then I think, what should I be doing instead? And then I think, what could I be doing instead? It's kind yeah. of, it's this very negative, almost nihilistic view. It'll be like a quarter to midnight and you're like watching a show. Exactly. Like, well, I'm like, <laughs> okay, body. I'm like, this is a waste <laughs> of time because I'm going to die. And then I'm like, well, what wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. a waste of time? I'm like, everything is a waste of time. Right. Like, and sometimes I end up kind of going there at my worst moments. And I kind of uh, think like, even yeah. my work that I put so much time into that I think is very meaningful that right. I hope. Yeah means something after I'm gone. Will it really, though? Like, is Mm. this really what I should be spending my time on? And it can kind of be paralyzing, I feel like, is the word that I come to. When I think about the fear of dying, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, Like, I I have this fear. I recognize that it's there. And I'm not sure how to react to it in a healthy way. Absolutely.
2: I think we obviously have, like, the fear of death. I'm going to exit this life. What does that look like for me? And we have the Christian answer of, we you get to spend eternal life with Jesus and everything is perfect and mm-hmm. great. I think that since we don't have an image of what heaven looks like, it's kind of hard for us to even just say unequivocally like, no, I'm cool with this. Yeah. It's okay <laughs> to fear the unknown. And I think even with what we've been promised, it's still very much unknown.
0: Well, still. you were just talking about having a difficult time trusting God. Right. Yeah. And where might that not apply more than yeah, here? For sure. Uh... Where you say, do I trust that God's promises are true? Sometimes I do. And other times I doubt. And that's just kind of how it goes. And those periods of doubting are difficult. If there is no eternal life, there is no hope. Yeah. Ultimately, right? Like we talk about hope in the context of living a lot. Really eternal hope is the ultimate hope. There's something to live for beyond what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And if that gets taken away from you, even just in flickers of doubt, it creates a lot of fear because you take that away and there's not much left.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was reading over some notes that I made a while ago from Tim Keller, and he talks about how the Christian worldview offers something more than just consolation because of the resurrection of Jesus, which is kind of the cornerstone of what we believe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I love how he puts this. He says the resurrection promises us more than consolation. It promises us restoration. The Resurrection means that nothing is truly lost. Like you say, that is the ultimate hope. And that's, I guess, the opposite side of the paralyzing fear is like, okay, God is going to restore Everything, yeah, and, and that is what gives us hope to keep on going. But death is like the ultimate loss of control, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we're afraid of. We're all trying to like control our little worlds, which is an illusion. And and yeah. death is the ultimate uncontrollable thing. So there's still fear, even though we know. I mean, I think maybe as we grow older, there's less fear. Like you said, the more trust we build with God, the more of a track record we have there. But I think a lot about restoration and redemption. That's a theme in my life and in stories that I grab onto really quickly. That's something that gives me hope when I go to the dark places of like, okay, death is coming. I also think restoration is coming as well.
2: I operate at my worst with the death question from the Pascal's Wager point of, well, even if there's nothing, I'm still going to live a life that has good works. And Mm. I can say if I go to the great blank and there's nothing there, I've still lived a good life. But even then I will never do something so good to be remembered forever or so bad to be remembered forever. I will Mm. be forgotten in this one.
0: If the end of our lives ends in the great blank as you call it to me that's hopeless like yeah. there's no point like, point. I, to anything? and maybe I'm just overly pessimistic but like the idea that then I could say well I'm still going to live a good life and enjoy it the best I can I don't get that death is the ultimate thing worth being afraid of because it's the ultimate loss yeah. Right? Yeah. like everything that we fear ultimately comes back to the idea of death yeah. Yeah. and the whole point of the Christian worldview is that Jesus defeats death Yes. Stuff. Like that's why we have hope Mm -hmm. is because he is bigger than death. Mm -hmm. He conquers death and he says death is no match for me and therefore it's also no match for you. And that's where our hope comes from. So to me, like you take that away, I don't think there's much hope left. We have this, not just an eternal future to look forward to with Mm -hmm. our friends and family, which is great, Mm -hmm. but we have an eternal future because death is conquered. And that's the ultimate hope. What I want to do in my daily life is figure out, okay, if I'm looking at the implications of what my own mortality should have on my life, rather than the fear of dying, being paralyzing, I want this eternal future, this fact that Jesus conquered death to be motivating, right? To give me hope. And then that hope translates into me living a life that's worth living.
1: You want to live with that eternal perspective and you want that to shape the way you live your life. Something that paralyzes me, kind of like you're paralyzing fear, Anson, I am almost more paralyzed at the thought of wasting my life. The thought of, okay, my time is limited. I only have this many years. I'm not going to get it right. I'm not going to spend it wisely and do the right things. And I'm going to waste it. And instead of being motivating, that particular fear becomes paralyzing for me.
2: Their days are numbered. It says it in the Bible. I mean, it's up to us with how we choose to spend those days. Yeah. It can be really hard on Saturdays where you're going, oh, I don't know how many of these I have left what do I need to be doing? Right. Right. Am I allowed to rest? And there's so
1: many like good things quote that we could be spending our time on. There's so many like noble things. There's so many problems in the world to fix. There's so much. It just feels overwhelming. If you got like, time to
2: lean, you got time to clean yeah, almost entirely, but right. for your whole life.
1: And like you say, like, is it okay to rest? Is it okay to watch a show on Netflix? And yeah. oh my gosh, I'm gonna waste everything. Right.
0: Is that really seizing the day if right. I'm just sitting on my couch? Like, I'm
1: like ah, <laughs> you know, that's paralyzing.
0: This is the interesting thing for me as I think about that fear, Kara, of mm-hmm. wasting my life. I think back again to going to the funeral that I just went to. Yeah. And there's two things that happen when I go to a funeral, I've found. Mm. Number one, we talked about earlier. I have this confrontation with the idea of death Mm. that terrifies the crap out of me. But the second thing that happens is there's this weird, joyful hope thing Mm. that exists in the midst of going to a funeral for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funky how I get this, (laughs) sad grieving loss thing Mm -hmm. and this like joyful hope thing all in this big confusing ball of emotions (laughs) when i go to a funeral part of where the joyful hope thing comes from is we ended up at one point sitting around in a room with a bunch of family talking about grandpa and what a great person he was Mm. what we didn't end up talking about was how he spent a lot of time sitting on his chair in the living room, watching chiefs games. And what a waste of time that was (laughs) when he could have been doing something more meaningful with his life. Like we didn't sit around dissecting how he spent every minute of his life saying, you know what? He really could have maximized that a little bit better. Could have optimized that got a little more efficiency (laughs) out of his life, done a little bit more good for the world. No, what we sat around talking about was not even so much things he did, But things that he embodied, the person Mm. that he was, we talked about his laugh and how he laughed with people and Mm. brought joy to them. We talked about his ridiculous jokes. We talked about him handing out million dollar bills to everyone that he met uh, (laughs) because he was hilarious and he loved a good time. And so when we talk about leaving a legacy or focusing on what matters... Did he do things that mattered in a macro sense? And yeah. yeah. the answer to that was yes, it's even not, though yeah. he probably wasted some time yeah. theoretically on yeah. certain things. That's kind of what gives me hope for kind of overcoming that, like, mm. I need to optimize everything about my yeah. life and yeah, not waste yeah. any moment. Someday when someone is at Kara's funeral, they're not going to be sitting there talking about, well, mm. Kara was great, but she spent a little bit too much time <laughs> on Netflix. So I, I just <laughs> That's probably not where they're going to end up, right? That's exactly where I walked away
2: from Rachel's funeral feeling. I mean, as a funeral goes, it was very sad, Mm -hmm. but also it was incredibly motivating for me talking about leaving a legacy like your grandpa Mm -hmm. did. I mean, we had a packed out room and there was this awesome point where the guy was like, listen, if Rachel directly impacted your walk with Christ, I want you to stand up. And y'all, the Mm -hmm. whole room stood up because really these were people who she had small moments with. She did do something impactful in their lives. And that's not through getting up and going to church every single Sunday on a military regiment. It was just Mm. through hanging out, maybe going to football games or maybe having coffee with someone. It's not a checklist. It's just the everyday being a little bit intentional about Mm. what you're doing to help other people see Mm. Jesus. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the motivation I walked through. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to be more aware of some of the decisions that I'm making to improve someone's life, be a light for Christ.
1: And maybe freak out a little bit less about the things we freak out about, right. yeah, like the things that don't matter. It's like, you're not talking about with your, with your grandpa someday. Yeah. You remember that investment that he made or right, that, right. you know, this, I mean, those are important things. Don't get me wrong, but you're not talking about the things that we obsess over yeah. and think are exactly. the end of the world.
0: Yeah. So when we're confronting our own mortality, instead of focusing on these paralyzing fears, the fear of dying or the fear of wasting our life, I think really what we have to come back to is this idea that Christ again, defeated death And that gives us hope. And then therefore, how can we be that hope or share that hope of Jesus to others? Mm. And that's the pursuit of a lifetime, right? That's what we're talking about. These people whose funerals we went to recently, that's what they did is they took the hope that Jesus gave them and they shared that hope with others, Mm. not by maximizing their schedule or doing everything right all of the time but by making a concerted effort to share the light of Christ with as many people as possible. Yeah. And to me, that's hopeful. That's something that I can kind of go, okay, even as I sit here and still kind of, I'm a little bit nervous <laughs> about confronting the deep, dark abyss of death. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> yes. There is
0: hope and it's my role to share that hope with others.
1: Right. Jesus defeated death. And if he did that for you, he can also help you live a life right. that matters, right? Absolutely. He can help you live in a way that does make that impact. You're yeah. not alone in that. You're it's not
0: all up to you to save the world. Absolutely. Let's yeah. just be conduits of his hope. I
2: was yeah. about to go there. In Matthew, he's talking about on the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling us we're the light of the world, a city that can't be hidden. He's not saying do this daily chore so you can <laughs> do good and I'll let you into heaven. It's, listen, you've seen how I've acted. You've mm-hmm. seen the example of what you're supposed to do. You are a light. Direct people to me. Light up the darkness so they can
0: see me in you. Going to wrap things up talking about our on repeats for this week. And I have the beta tester on repeats your favorite song for this week. And it's Cape lions with it. Before I say anything else about this song, I've got to apologize for my whiteness. It's kind of difficult to say the pure caucasity behind that with it, with it, (laughs) with it being who I am. But I'm going to try to get through this. I love that this song got picked by our beta testers as the song of the week. Uh Because, okay, my favorite thing that I could say about this song is I was, I think, dubbing it into the system or something like that. And Kara was sitting in the room and I started playing this song and she had never heard it before at this point. Uh And I'm pretty sure we were like four seconds into the song i mean like i just started playing it she was like working on her computer (laughs) might have even had headphones in i don't know she wasn't paying attention at all and normally she's pretty like zoned in over there when she's working on something Mm -hmm. four seconds head pops up looks over at me what's this song
1: (laughs) it's true like it
0: caught her attention that fast instant. (laughs) and that is why i think this song is the song of the week for the beta testers is because it's got a hooky hook yeah i have no idea what they're talking about in this yeah, song frankly like yeah. the lyrical connection that i have to this song is almost none yeah and yet the melody and hook of this song is so good and so, so catchy so it catchy. basically doesn't matter yeah that's how i feel about this song. are you guys with me on that <laughs> yep we're with, there with you you're with me on yeah. it <laughs>
2: Sorry, I quit. it doesn't work. Is there,
0: is there something else in the song that like I'm missing in terms of like lyrical content or no, anything? And, and no. as far as
2: lyrical content, they reference a G class going 105. <laughs> That's a Mercedes-Benz SUV. Uh, I heard you talking about the song. <laughs> you should not
0: be going 105. You said something about your line would definitely be much more like a I need it to be like a Toyota
2: Camry going
0: 65. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a much more reasonable speed, k yes. yes. Slow it down. <laughs> I always laugh at the line in the song, Gotta Catch a Flight, I Got a Lot Going On. Dree and I were talking about this song the other day, and I was like, I would love to be able to utter the phrase I gotta catch a flight because I got a lot going on. (laughs) In seriousness. Like, yeah. yeah. I've never once
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, told no. someone, yeah, man, sorry, I got to catch a flight. Got a lot going on. When I have to catch a flight, I've been preparing for it for like four days yeah. because I fly like once or, every three years. Better
2: pack up going to Akron.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to fly to Atlanta and I've got to pack my bag and like get ready three days in advance. So I'm ready for this trip. Like, or like yeah. four
1: months in yeah. advance yeah, I don't just, plan it so far.
0: <laughs> I don't just catch a flight <laughs> because I quote have a lot going on i feel like, fancy when i fly business class
1: <laughs> i know right
0: the song it's a party song right yeah. It's, yeah, like, sure. it's about having a good time it's about hanging out it's about hearing a fun song and kind of dancing to it it's yeah.
1: very very dancey song and it's
0: really really catchy yeah. so if you're looking for a good time i'm with it <laughs> it can be whatever you want to be with <laughs>
1: So I have the personal on repeat this week, and my song for the week is Favorite Sound by Audien and Echo Smith.
2: When it all dies down, it gets so loud. All the voices in my head just try to fill me up with doubt. I'm learning how to turn around. All the voices in my head, I think, are from my favorite sound. I think my favorite
1: show. We were testing songs the other day. Anson totally called this one, said, I have a feeling Kara's going to like this song. Yes. Yes. I'm very predictable, but
0: well, we all are yeah.
1: Oh, so good. It fits very well with our topic today of overthinking life to death. <laughs> yeah. It very much fits what's going on in my brain most of the time. So it starts with, I tend to be my own worst enemy. I linger on everything. But I find when I'm alone, it gets hard to breathe. And the chorus, you guys, this is my life, shouldn't apologize for just existing. I shouldn't apologize for just being me, trying to hide behind all my distractions. I'm okay till the quiet comes. And this is something that I've been known for probably since high school, but definitely since college, is saying I'm sorry Mm -hmm. all the time. Like It's something people have called me on to the point where they're like, dude, you got to stop saying, I'm sorry. And and I feel like sometimes what I'm apologizing for is existing. Mm -hmm. I'm apologizing for being a human. This song really hits home for me. Stop and check yourself and say, okay, what's really going on? Like, do I need to apologize Mm -hmm. for this? If it's a real thing? Yes, I will apologize for it. But am I just apologizing for existing and having an opinion and breathing? You know, she talks about all the voices in my head, filling me up with doubt. I'm learning how to turn around. I think Mm. I found my favorite sound here's to turning around the voices and the lies in our head that tell us we need to apologize for existing. I
0: love that it has that favorite sound line at the end though, because I feel like it's this like shot of hope into Mm, this struggle that she's talking about. Very true. And then I love the metaphor in this song of the dance break that comes after that line (laughs) where like you basically have this melodic instrumental Mm. hook. Yeah. That's this happy yeah. Fun, upbeat dance beat. Yes. Right after she says favorite sound. Right. That's, and so it's kind of like I'm yeah. taking all of this over and apologizing mm. and, and struggling with my very existence. Yes. And then all of a sudden she says favorite sound. I'm yeah. going to replace all of this noise in my head mm. with a positive upbeat melody. Yeah, Yeah. And that's going to be the thing that I'm going to latch on to. And I'm like, I don't know. I I feel like it's such a cool metaphor to say like, this is what I'm going to put into my head. This is what I'm going to put into my mind instead. Ah, I'm going to drown out all these doubts. I was just singing about with hope. Yeah. A hopeful song. It feels like
2: from start to finish, it's kind of a journey. You're going from like this hopeless place. And then the very end is the embrace the silence. Mm. I'm my own project, a work in progress. Mm. I know I'm better than okay. So it's, you're going from that. I'm okay until the quiet comes to the last line of "embrace the silence." You've kind of mm-hmm. had kind of this right. dancey interlude yeah. journey <laughs> of self-improvement. <laughs> And i'm waving arms this is yeah, not a it's really awesome. yeah. i love it but it's kind of cool like you get to get there
0: and celebrate rather yeah, than just good. end on a yeah low and rate. the ending of the song is very hopeful melodically to kind of ends on is. this like up major note and yes. you kind of go all right we danced it out we're, we're okay <laughs> all good now we're kind of coming back down now mm-hmm. and and we're gonna be okay here too All right. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode of Real Talk. I know it was a little bit of a challenging conversation to have. It's kind of hard. It's kind of funny. I think I would have thought that our earlier conversation this season about sex and intimacy might be one of the most taboo things that we would talk about. Yeah. And yet I think death is kind of right up there. I think it is. It's hard to talk about as well. But we made it through. Yes. It. And I love the conclusion that we came to, which is, yes, these ideas of like Harpe diem, seize the day, live your life to the full all of that still applies but mm-hmm. it's not about maximizing everything that we do yeah. to a perfect schedule it's mm-hmm. about sharing hope with others being a conduit of jesus's light to others mm-hmm. that's how we can really live our lives to the fullest
1: thanks for listening to the real talk podcast from real fn Catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on
2: Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.